Now I want to set up a little context. We're going to be in chapter 6, uh, and I'm just going to read six verses starting in verse 30, but I need to set up a little bit of context. So as you're flipping, um, zone in a little bit and listen. Jesus has just uh, fed the 5,000, which numerically is a little off because that's actually about 12,000. There were men, women, and children. So he's just done this miracle to a huge crowd, fed the 5,000, and there are some half-hearted kind of followers who are sticking around. Because you've got to imagine, if you see Jesus, if you see a guy do that, you're probably at least slightly interested in what else he can do. And so he kind of keeps this following. They see him walk across a lake, in essence, and they're following him around going, hey, uh, whoa, who are you? Like, what, what can we get from you? But they're kind of half Hearted. So I want you to remember that. In this context, Jesus has already been addressing their heart uh, need and their heart issues. And he meets them, and they're still asking just dumb questions, but he's patient. So remember, we're in the middle of Jesus talking to people who are half-hearted in their pursuit of him. Does that ring a bell at all? John 6, verse 30. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven, but my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. It's obviously Jesus talking about himself. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. We pray and ask God for help to make sense of that for us. Father, we need your spirit to illuminate our our eyes and our hearts and our ears. Lord, without his supernatural work this morning, we are simply gathering at a country club. We're simply finding community with people who just happen to be like us or dress like us or have the same cultural preferences at us. Lord, apart from your spirit, what we're doing is pointless and it's a waste. And so we beg for him, Lord, would you convict hearts? Would you open eyes? Would you apply the truth of this passage to our life? We love you and ask these things only in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so I had kind of a funky schedule yesterday. It was a really busy Saturday. Got back in town and hopped right back into life. And anytime I'm kind of all over the map, funky schedule, my eating is always funky as well. Like when I get busy, for, for some reason, the first thing to go when I get busy is eating. Like I just, I don't care that much about food and about eating. Um, and so when I get crazy busy, okay, I don't have any set meal times and, and I'm okay with that. But yesterday was one of those days. Like I said, I had to get up early. We had a jamboree out here. Um, had to study, you know, to teach John. 
um, had a funeral to go to, had a football game last night, some other things in between. So schedule was a little off. And so what I ended up doing most of the day was just kind of snacking. You know, you wake up and you're like, uh, there's, you know, animal crackers at 7 in the morning. So you eat that and you go and out here, uh, I'm going to have a chicken biscuit when it's 98 degrees and, and you know, it's 9.30 in the morning, I'll have that. And I go home and I'm like, eh, I'm kind of hot. So uh, what's the other's gummy bears? So a few pounds of those. Um, there's some goldfish. I mean, literally, if a doctor were to, were to cut me open and peer into me, it would be just the most interesting thing ever. It would look like, like diversity day is going on in my, in my intestines, you know. I always imagine my food kind of, kind of talking to each other, you know, as it makes its way down. Like, what are you doing here? You know, kind of like, that's so rant. Beef jerky? You're, at the, you're invited to this party? Are you kidding me? So it was just kind of one of those random days where I'm just snacking. But, like, I never got full. You know how you just, it just, you end up feeling kind of crap. After the 63rd flavor-blasted goldfish, you're like, ugh. You're not full, but you're just done. You know, you just kind of feel, ugh. Well, guys, in our text this morning, as Jesus is addressing a crowd of people, Really, the, the, the main thing that he is focusing on, the main point of his conversation is to half-hearted kind of snackers. He's talking to people who are never really satisfied. He's talking to a group of people who are never really full. They're finding everything but the living God to, to snack on, but they never really get full. And so our point this morning is this, only Jesus can fill us up. Only Jesus can fill us up, not a relationship, not a religion, um, not your skill, not your recreational endeavors, not your athletic abilities, not your brains, not your vocation, not him, not her, not them, not it, not anything Except Jesus and Jesus alone. He is the only bread that fills up, that brings ultimate satisfaction. Now, if you have been around church for five minutes, you know, if you're kind of a cultural Christian type, you've heard something like this. And what I'm asking you this morning is to do this take your church hat off, okay? Don't be like, yep, that sounds like a good fairy tale. Oh, I don't need anything but Jesus. I don't need friends. I don't need, oh, it's okay. I just need Jesus. Take your church hat off and realize who is speaking this. I want you to realize that who just said, I'm all you need. I'm the bread from heaven. I'm the true bread. It is God incarnate. And he means it 100%. He means it. What you might think is impossible or just hyper-religious or, you know what, I tried that, but a boy did it better. I tried that and that thing did it better. Take your church hat on and realize that God in the flesh, God incarnate, is standing before a group of people promising them, making a promise that he stakes everything about his name on, that I am the only thing that will fill you up, that will satisfy you. So what I want to do with the rest of our time is this. I want to unpack what that looks like. Because, listen, I empathize with those of us and and those of you who hear this and you try to apply it to your life, and yet those snacks seem to lure you in. 
and, and, and your life starts to look a lot like my diet did yesterday, just kind of snacking. You hear these things, you read in God's Word on your own, you're in Mike's place, you're, you're in Colorado, and you, and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I want that, I want that. And you get back, and the snacks, man, they're just loud and shiny and bright, and they're really convincing at times, aren't they? I mean, these hearts of ours, they're, they're idol factories. We're just looking for ways to produce counterfeit gods and, and different idols. And though many of us, we've come face to face with the bread, the true life. We still, on a day-to-day basis, go searching for other things that ultimately aren't going to fill us up. We just snack on junk food. So i got three things I want to show you. Let's jump in and see why was this crowd not getting it. I mean, they're just, they just saw some amazing things. And they're still not getting it. Why? The first point I want to make is this. Seeing versus believing the bread. You've probably heard the old adage that, you know, seeing is believe it. If I can see it, then I'll believe it. Wasn't the case with these people. They saw it. They certainly didn't believe it. Verse 30, so they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? What? What work do you perform? Uh, how about taking this dude's uh, one-direction lunch pail and feeding 12,000 people out of it? How about that work? Will that do? Like, is that big enough for you? Uh, uh, no. Uh, uh, what will you do? So, that, How about I walk across the lake and I calm a storm and I hop in my disciples' boat? Will that do? Uh, what else will you do? What, what else can you do so that we will believe you? We just need something that's tangible. God, if you would just tweet at me, I would totally surrender and give my life to you. Because then I would know. And yet, that's not true. This crowd, they were dumb. They were dumb. They saw all right, and yet, no belief. What does this tell us about the crowd? It tells us they were dumb. But before you go, gosh... If I would have been there, I mean, I would have seen Jesus. I would have gone, okay, I get it. I've seen you do amazing things. I hear the way you're talking. I'm going to surrender it all and go with you. Before you think that, know this. Apart from the miraculous, special, pointed, illuminating grace of God, so are we. We're just as dumb. We're just as blind. Sin makes people dumb. Sin blinds people, and that's the condition that we're all born in. We're all born in this state of absolute spiritual deadness and blindness. And apart from a work of God, not you coming to church, not you making a decision, not you going on a mission trip, not you being a good person who doesn't do those things, apart from God's grace that miraculously penetrates your heart and mind you're just as blind and you're just as dumb and jesus could walk through this door right here and apart from his saving grace through the holy spirit you would go what's the big deal i'm gonna do me i'm gonna do things my way paul talks about this all throughout scripture listen to what he says in first corinthians 2 verse 14 the natural person this is the person who has not had their their mind and their heart woken up The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are folly to him. It means they're stupid. It's ridiculous. It's far-fetched. It's a fairy tale. It has nothing to do with my life. 
and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. He goes on to say this in Romans 8, verse 7. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Guys, have you ever known people who they look at us and they feel so sorry for us because we're trapped into believing this stupid old, uh, it's been messed with by King James and translated poorly and a bunch of stuff was taken out and added. And what we believe about this book and how it has absolute authority over everything in our life. Have you ever met people, heard of people who just go, y'all are, oh, you're so, you're, you're idiots. Or they just make fun of it. Of course you have. Of course you, and if you haven't, live, just keep living. Just keep living. It's coming, right? Turn on Comedy Central. It's, it's, it's coming. Have you, know, have you ever known people who maybe it's not just a, a it's folly to me, it's far-fetched, it's a fairy tale, it's stupid, but they actually, I mean, they hate God. They are hostile towards God. You know, the motto of an atheist is, um, there is no God, God doesn't exist, and I hate him for it. You know, that paradox, there's no God, and I hate him. Guys, what we have here in this crowd are people who are blinded by their sin and they simply do not have the ability. Even they've seen everything they've needed to see to go, you are the Christ. We will follow. This other stuff is insignificant and yet they do not believe. They can't. They're blind. But that's not all. Another reason is is on display here in John 6 Um, They had clearly seen, at least physically, what Jesus did. But when encountered, here's the part. When encountered with his demands, with his call to change, when they encountered his requests upon their life, they straight up did not want it. So, yes, they were blind, but also in that blindness, they did not want what Jesus was offering. Their demand for evidence really was just a way of putting him off. It wasn't, oh, well, you know, we're thinkers, and and what you're saying seems pretty good. It makes sense. We just want to investigate a little further. Can you do another magic trick? And then if you do one more thing, God, Jesus, if you do one more thing, then I'll, I'll commit. I'll sign up. If I see you do one more miracle, then I'm in. That's not the case at all. They were, they were just putting him off. Uh, years ago when uh, Coach Calipari was, was still the coach of U of M, his, his son Brad, some of you know him, he used to come around youth group sometimes. And I'll never forget, it was a, uh, we had an event, like a Friday night event or something in the gym, and we were all playing basketball. And uh, I had a wad of cash in my hand from, from everyone who had paid. And I was sitting there talking to Brad. We were about at half court. And I said, dude, if you, if you make that half court shot, I'm, I'll give you this. I'll give you this wad of cash. And he t- literally takes the ball. And, I mean, nothing but net from half court. And so at that point I went, um, if you do that again, I'm going to give you this wad of cash. You know, and he did it and missed. But that, that, this is what the people are doing. They're like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you do one more miracle, then, then we're in. You know, and, and he does that. He, he feeds thousands of people with, from, from 12 baskets. And then they see him miraculously get to the other side of a lake and encounter with his disciples. And, and so what they're doing is like, uh, yeah, yeah, if you do one more, then, then, then that's all it'll take. We'll, we'll be in at that point. They're just kind of putting him off. They liked Jesus as a magic kind of chef who would give them what they wanted. 
I'm hungry, give me some fish, then cool. They liked Jesus like that, but they did not like him as a king. This crowd loved their sin. They loved the lordship that they had over their lives. They had complete authority over their lives, and they liked that, and that felt good. They wanted him as a chef. They did not want him as a king. Question, is that you? Next point is this, true versus counterfeit bread. Jesus makes it clear that, hey, there's fake bread out there. There's stuff that looks like bread. There's stuff that looks like it can fill you up. Here's what he says in in verse 32. Jesus then said to him, Truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread of heaven. The true bread. That means it looks like there's things out there that are going to do it for you, but they're lying. They, They can't. They won't. There, there are things out there that look like they will deliver on their promise to make you happy and to satisfy you. And in the end, you have God in the flesh standing before you going, I'm the true bread. That relationship might look like bread. That vocation might look like bread, right? Your, your stuff might look like bread. But it's not the true bread. It's a counterfeit. It's a fake. Jesus says, yeah, God provided actual bread through Moses. But that was merely a pointer. It was a foreshadowing to me. You had Moses as a, as a Christ type, as a redeemer. Now you have me, the real thing. Um, they had the temple where you would have to go and meet with God. I am now the temple. I'm where you and God meet. The world is very good at giving us counterfeit bread. It's very good at making us offers, but it simply cannot deliver on its promise. It lies to us. Um, I read this article on the way to a conference in Minneapolis uh, earlier this year. This is Madonna at the beginning of her career. This is a quote, I won't be happy until I am as famous as God. And it was very, very interesting, and she means that. She means that. And I look at that, and I want to say, sorry, hon, like, um, not only are you a terrible actress when you've tried, and, and your music in the last decade, is your attempts at music have been laughable, but you're going to be really, really disappointed. Because God's not really in the business of sharing his fame and sharing his glory and so what she's going to find in the end at some point is a lot of disappointment and listen she's closer than you and I will ever be at having something that really looks like good filling bread she's got way more money than you and I will ever have way more influence and power and connections and status and stuff She has a lot more than you and I, and yet she's going to be gravely disappointed that in a short amount of time, she's going to find that this idol, this God of fame, completely lied to her. It's not bringing the happiness. It's not bringing the satisfaction. It's not bringing what it promised it would. 
I mean, I think about, you know, just recently in the news with, with Robin Williams, right? Oh, happy guy, funny guy, seems to have it all, right? He, I think he found that to be true as well. None of the bread that this place can offer us, can produce, is able to feed us. None of it is. It's like me going up to a parking meter and putting, putting Monopoly money in. What? It looks like money. It feels like money. It's paper. It's not going to feed the machine. It's going to reject it. Nope, counterfeit. Nothing that this world can produce is going to give us true bread. Commentator Richard Phillips says this, The soul that receives Jesus by faith is fed with the very life of God. Question. Is that you? Is that what you're, you're feeding on? Is that what you fed on? Last thing I'm out. Eating versus staring at bread. Guys, there's an inescapable need in all of us that can only be filled by the Savior. Not pseudo-saviors, the Savior. And some have, have kind of creatively called it a, a Jesus-sized vacuum or a God-shaped hole you know, in our hearts and our lives. And what we do is there is that Jesus-shaped you know, hole gaping hole, and we try to cram as many things as we can in there to, to fill it. You know, sometimes it's like a sinking boat. It works for a little bit. You know, if you have chewing gum, you've seen a movie, it's like, oh, the, chew tons of gum and put it, you know, for, for 13 seconds, it works, and then the seal starts getting broken. Oh, the water's in, and I'm sinking. And so we, we, we take so many things about our lives, and we try to jam it in that hole, but, but it never really does it. Only the Savior entering in in a real way to your life does it. But we try, we try and we try and we try. But my question is this, what does it look like then? What does it look like? Well, here's one very important and practical thing that we can take away from Jesus' grand illustration about him being bread. Um, What do we pray in the Lord's Prayer about bread? What do we say about it? Give us this day our daily bread, right? Give us this day our daily bread. You see, bread has to be taken and chewed and swallowed before it can do anything productive. Think about the the grand illustration God has hardwired into your bodies. It's called eating. How many of you have gone a day without eating recently? It's kind of hardwired into you that you need it to keep doing life, right? Um, I don't go up to the Quiznos at lunchtime when I'm hungry and stand in front of the counter for like 12 minutes and just watch people's sandwiches being made going, mmm, mmm, I'm getting full. That's not how it works. I don't just go and stare. Bread has to be consumed. It has to be grabbed and taken and eaten and consumed to do anything productive. We have to take hold of it. We have to taste and see that the Lord is good. And this is where many of us are missing it. We think that staring at Jesus is enough. Staring at Jesus is not enough. He is meant to be consumed and tasted You think that showing up on a Sunday, 
showing up on a Wednesday, showing up to the extracurricular stuff, you think that that's eating when it might just be staring. Richard Phillips also says this, nothing compares to the word of God to feed the soul of every man, woman, and child. In the same way, a church that is well-fed and grows spiritually through the bread of God's word as it brings us in faith to Jesus Christ. He goes on to say this. I want you to listen to this because I, I really believe I really believe that many of you are here. I believe that this next sentence is going to describe you well, and I want you to listen. If we find that the influence of our lives is weak, that our witness is weak, that our collective impact on society is weak, it can only be because we are weak through neglecting the bread of God's word. And so my question would be, do you just stare? Or do you consume? And, and apart from this, you don't. You don't consume. Because this is where God has revealed his son to us the most clearly. Apart from this, you stare. Do we seek this bread by feeding on him? How do we do that in his word? with his people. That's how we do this. Let me close by saying this. Um, one thing that so stands out to me about this text is Jesus' patience. I mean, if it's me, I'm peacing out by now. I'm going, y'all are idiots. Like, look what I've done right before you. I'm, I'm telling you, don't labor for food that perishes. I'm telling you all this stuff, and you're still going, ugh. So, like, what else can you do? Because I just don't know. I would have been like, deuces, I'm out of here. You know, someone else take over. And yet, he sticks with them. He invites them. He invites them. Let's look at verse 35. Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. And here's the good news. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He's inviting this crowd. Hey, if you come to me, whoever... You won't be hungry. You won't be thirsty. Yeah, you'll be really weak at times. I'm not going to let you starve. You might feel like it in some seasons and pockets of life, but I'm not going to let you starve. He invites people in. And so I ask you this simple question. Have you done that? Have you come in faith before Jesus and believed in him? Like, actually done it. Not just confessionally, like, oh, yeah, 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 Jesus is my homeboy. Sure, I'm good with that. No, I'm good with that. But have you actually, in faith, believed in him? Have you, has there been a realization of that hunger in your soul? Have you gone, you know what? There is something there. There is a vacuum there. And I've tried to satisfy that hunger from everything from the number of followers I have to the amount of likes that I get to the compliments that I receive to the people I know to the grades that I make to the points that I score to the laughs that I get, whatever. I've tried it all. Whoever will come, friends, that means you. And so I ask you, will you come in humble faith before Jesus? 
admitting that the snacking I'm doing is not doing it. My prayer is that you arrive at the same conclusion that Peter did at the end of this chapter where Jesus basically gives him the opportunity to opt out. He's like, people are bailing me left and right. Do you want to go too? And Peter says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else to go. There's no, there's no other thing that's going to do it. You have the words of eternal life. Are you like Peter in that regard at all? Let's go before God in prayer. Father, we, we're guilty of being in this crowd. Even those of us who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, we continually try to snack when you have offered us satisfaction. You have offered us a full stomach and life, and we are just so stubborn. Gosh, our hearts, they're just prone to wander. We feel it. Lord, what we would ask is that in a very real way, You would do things that show us, that prove to us that you are the only bread. You're the only true bread. And in a world where we're offered counterfeit bread every second of the day, through a miraculous work of your Holy Spirit, will you convince us that only tasting and seeing you will ultimately satisfy. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking, communicating to us with it and through it and by it. We don't deserve it, but you've given it. We ask all of these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.